0: It's right I don't O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name of the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. Amen. Good morning, Mishpacha. Welcome to the Daily Audio Torah. I'm Laura Densmore, your host, and I'm so glad you're joining in with me today. Journey with me through the entire Bible in one year, focusing on the biblical calendar, the Sabbath, the feasts, and the Torah reading cycle. We have many voices, interpretations, and points of view out there. But there is nothing like listening to the crystal-clean, pure Word of God in your life. It is living water for your spirit, as it is written in Romans ten seventeen. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When we listen to the spoken Word of God, it is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Hebrews 4.12 The Word of God is alive, it is powerful, and it renews our mind and builds up our spirit. Now let's continue our journey through the entire Bible in one year. This week we are reading from the Israel Bible for the Hebrew Scriptures and from the King James for the bread, Hadashah. Today we continue the Torah portion, Behalachka, and it means, in your going up. Numbers 11, 1-17 The people took to complaining bitterly before Hashem. Hashem heard and was incensed a fire of Hashem broke out against them, ravaging the outskirts of the camp. The people cried out to Moses. Moses prayed to Hashem, and the fire died down. That place was named Taberah because a fire of Hashem had broken out against them. The riff-raff in their midst felt a gluttonous craving, and then the Israelites wept and said, If only we had meat to eat! We remember the fish that we used to eat free in Egypt, the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. Now our gullets are shriveled. There is nothing at all, nothing but this manna to look at. Now the manna was like coriander seed, and in color it was like bdellium The people would go about and gather it, grind it between millstones, or pound it in a mortar, boil it in a pot, and make it into cakes. It tasted like rich cream. When the dew fell on the camp at night, the manna would fall upon it. Moses heard the people weeping, every clan apart, each person at the entrance of his tent. Hashem was very angry, and Moses was distressed. Moses said to the Lord, Why have you dealt ill with your servant, and why have I not enjoyed your favor, that you have laid the burden of all this people upon me? Did I conceive all these people? Did I bear them, that you should say to me, Carry them in your bosom as a nurse carries an infant, to the land that you have promised on oath to their fathers? Where am I to get meat to give to all this people, when they whine before me and say, Give us meat to eat? I cannot carry all this people by myself, for it is too much for me. If you would deal thus with me, kill me rather, I beg you, and let me see no more of my wretchedness. Then Hashem said to Moses, Gather for me seventy of Israel's elders, of whom you have experience as elders and officers of the people, and bring them to the tent of meeting, and let them take their place with you. I will come down and speak with you there, and I will draw upon the Spirit that is on you, and put it upon them. They shall share the burden of the people with you, and you shall not bear it alone. 2 Samuel twelve one thirty one. But Hashem was displeased with what David had done, And HaShem sent Nathan to David. He came to him and said, There were two men in the same city, one rich and one poor. The rich man had very large flocks and herds, but the poor man had only one little ewe sheep that he had bought. He tended it, and it grew up together with him and his children. It used to share his morsel of bread, drink from his cup, and nestle in his bosom. It was like a daughter to him. One day a traveler came to the rich man. But he was loath to take anything from his own flocks or herds to prepare a meal for the guests who had come to him. So he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. David flew into a rage against the man and said to Nathan, As Hashem lives, the man who did this deserves to die. He shall pay for the lamb four times over because he did such a thing and showed no pity. And Nathan said to David, That man... Is you. Thus says Yahweh, the God of Israel It was I who anointed you king over Israel, and it was I who rescued you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and possession of your master's wives. I gave you the house of Israel and Yehuda. If that were not enough, I would give you twice as much more. Why then have you flouted the command of the Lord and done what displeases him? You have put Uriah the Hittite to the sword. You took his wife and made her your wife, and had him killed by the sword of the Ammonites. Therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you spurned me by taking the wife of Uriah the Hittite and making her your wife. Thus says HaShem, I will make a calamity rise against you from within your own house. I will take your wives and give them to another man before your very eyes, and he shall sleep with your wives under this very sun. You acted in secret, but I will make this happen in the sight of all Israel and in broad daylight. David said to Nathan, I stand guilty before HaShem. And Nathan replied to David, HaShem has remitted your sin. You shall not die. However, since you have spurned the enemies of the Lord by this deed, even the child about to be born to you shall die. Nathan went home, and Hashem afflicted the child that Uriah's wife had borne to David, and it became critically ill. David entreated the Lord for the boy. David fasted, and he went in and spent the night lying on the ground. The senior servants of his household tried to induce him to get up from the ground. But he refused, nor would he partake of food with them. On the seventh day, the child died. David's servants were afraid to tell David that the child was dead, for they said, We spoke to him when the child was alive, and he wouldn't listen to us. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He might do something terrible. When David saw his servants talking in whispers, David understood that the child was dead. David asked his servants, Is the child dead? Yes, they replied. Thereupon David rose from the ground, he bathed and anointed himself, and changed his clothes. He went into the house of Hashem and prostrated himself. Then he went home and asked for food, which they set before him, and he ate. His courtiers asked him, Why have you acted in this manner? While the child was alive, you fasted and wept. But now that the child is dead, you rise and take food?" He replied, While the child was still alive, I fasted and wept because I thought, Who knows, Hashem may have pity on me, and the child may live. But now that he is dead, why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will never come back to me. David consoled his wife Bathsheba. He went to her and lay with her. She bore a son, and she named him Solomon. Hashem favored him. And he sent a message through the Navi Nathan, and he was named Jedidiah at the instance of Hashem. Joab attacked Rabbah of Ammon and captured the royal city. Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have attacked Rabbah and I have already captured the water city. Now muster the rest of the troops and besiege the city and capture it. Otherwise, I will capture the city myself and my name will be connected with it. David mustered all the troops and marched on Rabbah, and he attacked it and captured it. The crown was taken from the head of their king, and it was placed on David's head. It weighed a kikar of gold, and on it were precious stones. He also carried off a vast amount of booty from the city. He let out the people who lived there and set them to work with saws, iron threshing boards, and iron axes, or assigned them to brickmaking. David did this to all the towns of Ammon. Then David and all the troops returned to Jerusalem. John 16 1 33 These things have I, Yeshua, spoken to you, that you should not be offended. They shall put you out of the synagogues. Yes, the time comes that whosoever kills you will think that he does God's service. And these things will they do to you, because they have not known the Father nor me. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you asks me, Where do you go? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away, for if I go not away, the Comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin, and of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the Prince of this world is judged. I have yet many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine, and shall show it to you. A little while, and you shall not see me, and again a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he says to us, A little while, and you shall not see me, and again, A little while, and you shall see me, and because I go to the Father? They said, Therefore, what is this that he says, A little while? We cannot tell what he says. Now Yeshua knew that they were desirous to ask him, and said to them, Do you inquire among yourselves of that that I said, A little while, and you shall not see me, and again, A little while, and you shall see me? Verily, verily, I say unto you, that you shall weep and lament, but the world shall rejoice. And you shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. A woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow, because her hour is come. But as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish, for joy that a man is born into the world. And you now therefore have sorrow, But I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man takes from you. And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Hitherto you have asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Turn it. These things have I spoken to you in Proverbs, but the time comes when I shall no more speak to you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. At that day you shall ask in my name, and I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. For the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me, and have believed that I came out from God. I came forth from the Father, and I am come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. His disciples said to him, Lo, now you speak plainly, and speak no more proverb. Now are we sure that you know all things, and need not that any man should ask you. But by this we believe that you came forth from God. Yeshua answered them, Do you now believe? Behold, the hour comes, yes, is now come, that you shall be scattered, every man to his own, and shall leave me alone. And yet... I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Psalm 119, 65-80 You have dealt well with your servant, O Lord, according to your word. Teach me good judgment and knowledge, for I have believed your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now have I kept your word. You are good, and you do good. Teach me your statutes. The proud have forged a lie against me, but I will keep your precepts with my whole heart. Their heart is as fat as grease, but I delight in your Torah." It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. The law of your mouth is better to me than thousands of gold and silver. Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. They that fear you will be glad when they see me, because I have hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right, and that you in faithfulness have afflicted me. Let, I pray, my, your merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to your word unto your servant. Let your tender mercies come to me that I may live, for your Torah is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, for they dealt perversely with me without a cause. But I will meditate. In your precepts. Let those that fear you turn to me and those that have known your testimonies. let my heart be sound in your statutes, that I be not ashamed. Proverbs 16:4 and five. The Lord has made all things for himself, yes, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. I'd like to speak to you today from Second Samuel chapter 12, and then we're going to jump into Psalm 119. And in Second Samuel chapter 12, we see that David is confronted with his sin, his adultery with Bathsheba, and then the murder of her husband, Uriah. He is confronted about this by Nathan the prophet. The Lord is very displeased with what David had done. And so... Um, Nathan comes to David and tells him a parable. And he talks to him about this poor man who owns one little sheep. And he loves that sheep and it's like a little pet. And and then the neighbor next door who is very wealthy with lots of flocks and herds doesn't want to kill any of his other animals for when a guest comes. So he takes his next door neighbor's one little sheep and kills it and slaughters it to serve up for dinner to his guest. And David saw the incredible injustice in that and said, whoever did that should die. And then Nathan confronts him. You are that man. You took Uriah's wife and then had Uriah killed. Verse 9 and 10. Why then have you flouted the command of the Lord and done what displeases him? You have put Uriah the Hittite to the sword. You took his wife and made her your wife and had him killed by the sword of the Ammonites. Therefore. The sword shall never depart from your house, because you spurned me by taking the wife of Uriah the Hittite and making her your wife. Now there's a Torah principle embedded in those two verses, and that principle is this. Measure for measure. In other words, what you sow is what you reap. So David sowed violence, murder. He had Uriah the Hittite killed by the sword by putting him in the front lines. So now his consequence, what he's going to reap, is that the sword will never depart from his household. That during his kingship, there would always be war with enemies of Israel. So that's something to be aware of. So what we want to do and remember is to sow good things. We sow love and peace and patience and kindness. If we sow discord or strife, conflict, anger, unforgiveness, we're going to reap a bad crop. But when we sow the fruits of the Spirit, the character of Yeshua, then we will reap good things. Now, continuing on, the baby that uh, Bathsheba is pregnant with is born, and then the baby dies. And... So David, during the time of the sickness of the baby, fasted and laid on his face. But as soon as the baby died, he got up and moved on. And in verse 24, David consoled his wife Bathsheba. He went to her and laid with her. She bore a son and she named him Solomon. The Lord favored him. The Israel Bible commentary to this verse reads as follows. King David repents for what he did and he and Bathsheba are blessed with the son. The son is known as Solomon, or in Hebrew, Shlomo, which comes from the word Shalom, peace. Additionally, he is also called by the name Jedidiah, in Hebrew, Yedidia, meaning beloved of God. Radak suggests that Hashem wants his name to be Shlomo, as he would be the next king of Israel, and during his rule, God would bless him and the people of Israel with peace. But Shlomo is also called Yadidia, as he is truly the beloved of God. During his reign, the nation of Israel achieves the greatest heights of peace in the land of Israel. Peace among the people of Israel and service to Hashem with the Beit Hamikdash, the temple. Okay, and now I want to jump into Psalm 119. It's a very long psalm. We've been reading sections of it each day. And in verse 71... It says, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. That's a very powerful principle. And I'll be personal and share how does this principle apply? What does it look like when it plays out in somebody's life? And so I was not raised in a family of faith. I did not grow up in a faith community in my childhood. And... I lived in the world, and I, you know, was in college and met my husband there, and we got married and had some children, and he had a veterinary business, and I had a little home to live in, and I had all the things that, you know, normally you would look for in a worldly sense, you know, a husband, a home, children, all those things, yet I was miserable. I was miserable because our marriage was a mess. And um, our priorities were completely out of whack. God wasn't in the picture at all. Work and career for my husband, ex-husband, was number one. And I was (laughs) way down low on the list. And he had no time for me. And so there came a point where um, he kept threatening divorce, kept threatening divorce until finally, you know, it was like a gun to my head. Russian roulette, is the gun loaded or not? And I didn't want to face Monday morning because that's when he was threatening to serve me with papers. So I fled. I left. I went on a long drive and took my two kids with me. And on that drive, I cried out to God. I'd had enough of the gospel message shared with me to know that I needed to repent And ask Yeshua, Jesus, to uh, forgive me of my sins and ask him to come into my heart. So I prayed a prayer, basically saying, Lord, I have driven the car of my life over a cliff and it has uh, crashed and burned at the bottom of a canyon. And (laughs) I'm a mess. I'm so broken. I need you. I'm crying out to you. Please repair the car and you be the driver and I'll be the passenger. That was my prayer. And so in my affliction, I turned to the Lord. In my brokenness, I turned to him and to his word. And that principle is often true. We tend to be stubborn and stiff-necked and self-willed and full of pride and selfishness. That's human nature. And so... You know, it's really great when someone who's only 8 or 10 or 12 years old gives their heart and their life to the Lord at a young age. They can be spared a lot of heartache and trial. But if we live much for very long in the world, we're going to get beat up. And so it is very true that God uses afflictions that we go through to bring us to him. Verse 71, it is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I might learn your statutes. And then verse 75, I know, O Lord, that your judgments are right and that you in faithfulness have afflicted me. What that verse is really revealing to us is the sovereignty of God. Nothing happens to us by accident or by chance. Everything happens. um, The Lord is sovereign. He's the most high. He's El Elyon. And so when circumstances happen to us, it's not by just chance or luck. Circumstances happen and God orchestrates them. He orchestrates circumstances and allows us to go through afflictions. Why? Because he wants to see us repent and turn to him. And so it is good when we go through afflictions. Because he wants us to repent. He wants us to humble ourselves. He wants us to cry out to him, trust in him, and depend on him and be led by him. So I pray that you are blessed today and that uh, the word builds you up and strengthens you in your walk with Yeshua this day. See you tomorrow. Adonai do na ha vi hesh mur ye Adonai adam na na hilka vayse leka leka sha